Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stressed, the podcast to develop your next workplace superpower. I'm super excited to sit here with my next interview guest, Cass. How are you today? Oh, I'm lovely today. Thank you. It's a pleasure, yes. pleasure, pleasure to be here pleasure. with you. <laughs> well, such a pleasure to be here with you. And I want to start, as I always start with my podcasts, by asking you, how did you start your day today? Where are you located? And in what time zone are you in? Great, great question. Well, I uh, will I'll start with the, um, the letter. Start at the very beginning. It's a very nice place to start. I wake up in the morning and um, and say hello to my body, you know, because we might be, you know, traveling in space while we're sleeping, uh, but we wake up with our bodies and just um, usually uh, doing a bit of movement, you know, uh, with my body. Good morning, body. Good morning. And uh, I've been traveling a lot. I'm in Rome, Italy. I've been living here for years and I've been traveling a bit. I was in uh, Turkey when we first connected. So okay, okay. I was here with um, um, my uh, husband for the first night in a couple of weeks. So it was really, really uh, lovely uh, to connect with him. And so uh, that's the way I started my uh, day, did a little bit of work. I've been away uh, for a couple of weeks and then I went to get um, a nice pedicure. <laughs> nice. That sounds when you, awesome. when you, you know, it's like a lot of times we just jump right back in when the week starts to working, but you really have to prepare yourself. Sometimes Mondays are so intense, right? Yeah. Uh, Tuesdays, you know, so um, starting the day, starting the week uh, and somehow honoring you and getting you pumped up allows you to be beyond stress, you know, for that, uh, for that day. So I did get a lovely you know, face uh, treatment, and then uh, came and did a little bit of work for another 45 minutes. And then I went to do yoga in the, nice. on the, in the open today, they had at the tennis court, at the tennis club, they had a yoga session. So it was such a lovely, I said, Oh, Julie's going to be so happy. I'm going to be so zen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm very, I'm always very happy to hear that. And yeah. um, well, how warm is it in Rome at the moment? Today, it is um, in the 70s, and the sun was shining wow. so, so deliciously. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Great day. Could have been raining. It's, you know, it could have been um, cold, and it wasn't. So I'm really, really grateful. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, okay. Well, so your introduction brings up already a million different questions, <laughs> but let's start at the beginning because before we jumped on the recording, you said that you grew up in Boston. So tell us a little bit about your journey, how you grew up in Boston and how you ended up in Rome and what you do to travel. What do you do when, do you just travel for fun or are you doing work? What's, yeah. what does it well, mean? We have three hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, <laughs> Um, I was born and raised in uh, Boston, Mass, uh, in Roxbury, and I um, I did travel for the first time. I mean, I used to go to Oklahoma. My godmom was in Oklahoma, but I went at when I was nine to Mexico City, okay. um, and it was uh, amazing. And uh, my first time out of the United States, and at 14, I went to Senegal for a couple of weeks with my mom and she was a nurse. So lots of people from the health um, center. And uh, when I was eight in the third grade, I had a, a teacher who would write on the board every morning, um, good morning, today is Monday. Good morning, today is Tuesday in French. Mm -hmm. Bonjour, aujourd'hui est lundi. Bonjour, aujourd'hui est mardi. And I never had um, engaged with French. And of course, you know, September to June, by the end of that year, I said, one day I am going to go to Paris and learn French and speak French. 
And so really it was something that I had uh, chosen. So in high school, I took French. My dad was like, what are you studying French for? Spanish is gonna be the next, uh, the second language in this country. Everyone's gonna speak it. I said, well, dad, if everyone's gonna speak it, it'll be easy to learn. I'd like to learn French. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really tell him that. And then, you know, universities in Boston, there's tons of them, right? And, um, and even, you know, with the, my, I went to the oldest public high school in the country, the Boston Latin School from 1635. And so, you know, there were, you know, easy ways to go, get uh, funding for college. But I wanted to expand beyond Boston. There's less than a million people living in Boston. And so I didn't apply to any universities there. I applied to New York University and I went there. I lived in New York and when I was 18, I moved there and they had a program to do your junior year abroad. Mm-hmm. And I went to Paris oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I lived uh, in Paris for the year and uh, it was great. It, you know, universities in Europe don't have the same costs, eh? And so I had, you know, had such a lovely year. And I came to Rome to visit. Um, my mom came for her birthday to Paris. And we went, we did the American tour of Europe, you know, two days here, two days there, two days there. Mm-hmm. And I came to Rome and I felt at home, you know, standing in front of the Colosseum, Julia, looking up at the Colosseum. And I said, how could anyone think that whatever problems are going on in their life, whatever stress they're having at the moment, that it will not pass when you're standing in front of a structure that's over 2000 years old and it's Mm -hmm. still here, you know? So Mm -hmm. Caesar, Julius Caesar, and even all of that. um, Yeah, so I met a nice guy, (laughs) but my dad made me go back and finish university. So I went back to New York, finished university, married somebody for 10 years, had started a career uh, there, not journalism, which is what I was studying, which is what I was got the degree in, um, in the hospitality industry. And at a certain point that, um, you know, it wasn't really working for me. It didn't feel like it was actually what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be involved in. So six months after leaving the job, leaving the husband, that guy I met in Rome came to New York and gave me a call oh, and wow. uh, a slow dance. And um, yeah, a year later, I moved here to be with him. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful love story as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do now? What's your profession? What do, what do you do? I'm a um, coach. I do uh, workshops, empowering people to know that they know. I work with uh, the uh, Access Consciousness I've been working with that for over 15 years. I um, also have uh, programs on my uh, books, uh, on communication, on inviting people to connect with themselves, step into their lives in a different way, um, and have a global approach. Even if you never leave your town, really step up and recognize how you see the world in a different way and how you can be a contribution to the world when you step out. So I've got a you know, year-long program called Three Steps. And I'm just wanting to be a contribution for people to up their vibe and to have more ease in their lives and enjoy it and to see what they can contribute to the world and receive from the world. So that's what Mm -hmm. I do. Private sessions, classes, workshops, and I travel around the world doing them, Um, Mm -hmm. most of them in English. And then I have translators um, that that, uh, join me, but I can do it in Italian or French too. Amazing. (laughs) That's super cool. I did learn Spanish because my dad was You did learn Spanish. I'm glad to hear that. When I I was (laughs) at the university, at the Sorbonne in Paris, I saw this sign that said, come and do vacation in um, Spain and learn the language and I was like oh dad <laughs> I go to Spain Here's this opportunity I... yeah 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 that's yeah. awesome it's so funny how life will um, if we're willing really to follow um, really our instincts our intuition our knowing it's uh, what what life will bring to us you know God Allah Buddha the angels the, the planet all, all of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it is it's it is very special 
I'm really glad as well that you started your introduction with all of the things you did for yourself. Um, I've actually had a really interesting conversation with a client yesterday morning about similar things, about how she already felt super stressed and it was just a Monday and, you know, we were talking about how she can actually fill her energy levels as quickly as possible back to where she feels good without waiting until the weekend. Because I think so many people wait, uh, like they have these like, bigger times in their head of like, oh, I'll do this next month or I do this when I have a vacation, right? Instead of just taking a moment and appreciating how much, like if you just spend an hour or two or three hours or morning or whatever to refuel yourself, how much it actually influences your productivity and the rest of the week. So absolutely, absolutely. And whatever works for you, it's like a lot of times people give you answers. Yeah. No, you have to do yoga. No, you have to mm -hmm. meditate. No, you have to do this whatever works for you. And that's what I like to share. And we will share with people different, different things that you yeah. can choose from. And it might be something different uh, each day. And yeah. what if, you know, work weren't stressful? What if it were enjoyable? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what she said as well. And which was such an interesting in insight because she said, you know, she's like, now that I'm thinking about it, I felt so aggressive today in this meeting and I felt really sluggish and I, And I went, came out of this meeting and I didn't want to do the things that I, they told me I should do. And she's like, it's usually not at all my attitude. And that was such a powerful sign that she, her energy wasn't where she wanted it to be, you know, anyhow. Absolutely. <laughs> and anyway, though, what you can share with her too, is that we have a capacity to pick up on what's going on with other mm -hmm. people. You know what I mean? Has that ever shown up for you where someone walks oh. in and you're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Why do you ask? Well, I don't know. Something, there's something about the vibe that's different, right? Mm -hmm. And so how much was, if it didn't feel like her, how much was she picking up on what other people were feeling there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or maybe they were not um, being completely, uh, let's say, honest, or they had something on their mind going on in their world, you know? Mm -hmm. So really seeing things from other people's perspective gives us, oh, okay, they're just a bit stressed. All right. Mm -hmm. What, you know, <laughs> I don't have to pick that up from them, but what can I actually do? It'd be a gift to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, that brings like that, that brings up another thought for me, which is how easy it can be when you are in a meeting with somebody to just open the conversation with, Hey, how is your energy today? Right. I feel like We are oftentimes not vulnerable enough, especially in the workplace where we are open to share how we really feel. But I feel like if one, if just one person opens up a little bit and dares to share and is not afraid to share um, what's really going on, I think a lot more people would share and a lot more inclusivity would be created. Right. And yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in total agreement with that. And a lot of times people don't, you know, I, I'm used to never want to say I was tired. <laughs> It's so funny. I laugh at that now, but you know, but even my parents would ask me, you're tired. Nope, not tired. You know? And so a lot of times people aren't really willing to uh, acknowledge what's going on with them or they don't want to share it or they think because not because they're keeping it from you, but maybe they don't want to stress you with it. So yeah. sometimes um, it's a great idea to say, wow, I, I noticed a lot of people had stress today uh, going on. Uh, and then you're actually opening up the door for them to say, you know, I had a little stress going on too. But if they mm -hmm. don't want to open up that door, then you're not obliging them to with that uh, question. How are you, how's your energy today? Just some, you know, just following, you knowing on that, because you don't want them to say, what am I, am I, why, is, why are they asking me that? Am I like, are they picking something out for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just like, don't take it there. as an well, offense. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. Yeah. So just putting it out there and it's their choice whether or not they want to uh, say, yeah, I can, I can totally get that stress that shows up for me too sometimes. Really? How is, is it today? Well, not really today. So it sort of starts and then they'll say, okay, let's get back to our business conversation. But you have, just like you said, which is great, you have um, opened it up from a, a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I really have so many questions for you. I don't even know where to start. But uh, the reason why we wanted to talk today, maybe we'll start there, but I do not want to forget. I'll ask that later, but I will already put it out there is kind of your experience culturally between kind of the US work 
um, vibe and then the Italian work vibe and what the differences are. But let's get to that later. The reason why I really wanted to talk with you and why I brought up kind of even just that that meeting, um, you know, kind of that meeting vibe is because we really wanted to talk a little bit more today about how to communicate inclusively and diminish the distance. And I think, you know, I work a lot with tech companies and I hear it all the time, you know, diversity and inclusion and um, It's like, you know, the biggest topic for most for most of these tech companies at the moment. So you are in a space, I think, that a lot of people are really curious to learn more about. And let's just start maybe with a simple, but I'm sure complex question of what is to communicate inclusively? Well, the simplicity of it, right? Uh, and uh, my, my first book is Seven Steps to Flawless Communication, right? The simplicity of flawless communication is to start with you, you know? And I love that you said that. Thank you for sharing what you've done for yourself today. Because when you are comfortable in your own skin, when you have um, honored you, connected with you, then connecting with others is so much easier. Mm. Especially because, Julia, There is no one on the planet that does you better than you. Mm. You cannot get you wrong, <laughs> you know? So yeah. when you've connected with you, even if you someone is um, being um, what you would normally uh, identify as offensive, you know, or judgmental, right? You'll be like, wow, wonder what, you know, what, what their perspective is. Because your perspective, you're seeing the world from, from you. So what is the inclusive way to communicate with other people? Include you first. Mm -hmm. And then you um, open the door to include everyone and everything. Yeah. That's so beautiful. It always comes back to us, right? It always starts with, with It ourselves. It always starts with us. And, yeah. and having, and thank you for saying that, and having um, an easy road back to you is fundamental. You know, mm -hmm. I give mm -hmm. an example about that. Sometimes we get so, you know, um, stressed um, or we're so busy um, taking five minutes, three minutes, two minutes. You know, you might even have to go into the bathroom, just sit down and something as simple as breathing in, putting your hand on your heart, you know, feeling mm -hmm. that heartbeat. It is, I give a lot of different tricky ways for people to connect with, um, uh, with themselves. You know, so many people, <clears throat> it's funny, and one of my clients, he's an um, international bank manager <clears throat> from France, living in, in Italy now. And he went for a promotion and they said he's perfect for the promotion. He said, but you don't seem at all to be connected with your intuition. Now, it's interesting the way different people um, express that intuition, but it's actually connected with your wisdom, with your gut feeling, with knowing how to adapt in moments of change, you know? And so when you're connected with you, how you adapt in moments of change is your unique brand of magic is what I call it. Your unique selling point is what we call it in business. What is the different approach you have to life, to communication, to other people, you know, that isn't wrong. And if you're willing to connect with you, you can actually uh, enjoy it and never feel offensive and, and never really want to offend someone else. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you said you have, you wrote a book about seven steps of flawless communication. So I, I hear that the first step is starting with yourself and connect, like always having, I love how you said always having a way back, like an easy way back to yourself. I think that's so beautiful. What, what's next? Like, how do we communicate inclusively with people? Yeah, well, the, the, um, the first phase is connecting with who you are. So show, um, recognizing your uniqueness, uh, show me the magic is what that first step is. Second step is um, talking with your body, getting your intuition together, having your mm -hmm. gut feeling, you know, um, and this, um, that's the first phase connecting with you. And the second phase is disconnecting from who you think you are, mm. you know? And so that's step three and four, which is lowering your barriers. A lot of times we're excluding people from 
um, from our lives, not because we don't like them, but maybe we've got, we feel abused, you know, emotionally, mentally, maybe we've had our hearts broken, maybe we've been criticized for the way we work, maybe we, you know, and so we've got these sort of barriers of trying to keep a distance, a comfortable distance from people, you know, um, but that comfortable distance from others is also a distance from ourselves, because we may be asking for something to show up in our lives, but those barriers are not that smart, you know what I mean? So they might be keeping out what we've been asking for, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so uh, disconnecting from those barriers, discharging them, and they've, you know, anyway, I do workshops on those, so more details about it, but the, the, um, the fourth step is going beyond the mask or the veil, you know? A lot of times we have to put on a mask and feel like we have mm -hmm. to be a certain way and to speak in a certain way. Well, you know, mm -hmm. I've studied and I've done this and I've mm -hmm. done that, you know, or a veil, uh, which is sort of um, not allowing yourself to be seen completely, you know, uh, mm -hmm. sort of hiding behind a, a, um, a transparent glass you know, so, and so many of us have been doing that for so many years um, that we sort of get at a certain point in life, hmm, something's missing. And we may even acknowledge that that thing that's missing is us. But since we have been so many years behind masks, behind veils, behind walls and barriers, resistance, we might not even know how to get to us. So there's an invitation to um, really lower those barriers and, and be willing to be seen, be heard, um, and to see others and hear others. And once you've connected with you, disconnected from who you are not, that third phase is about reconnecting in a very different way. So engaging with people, being willing to see things from their perspective, being willing to have a 360 degree um, view and once you've connected with you, like I said before, disconnected from who you are not, you are not offended by people. You, you recognize that that is just their unique way of maybe communicating, you know? Mm -hmm. I've got many examples of how, you know, when I was a kid, you know, they said, you give too much away. That's what my parents said, you know, you're too sensitive, you cry at the drop of a hat, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the teachers would say she's got perfect grades, but she talks to everyone. How do I make my, you know, career and job and living now, giving everything I can, <laughs> talking to everyone and, and also really being sensitive to what's going on with people. So what we may have considered as a, a judgment when we're willing to um, really engage with people in a different way, reconnect once we've connected with ourselves, <clears throat> then um, we might receive the gift of what we have previously considered as a judgment, even with work and work situations. <clears throat> and um, expanding, meaning you don't have to just talk about a topic that you know, you know? You might, like you were saying before, when you uh, meet somebody, what is the way you can um, open up a discussion with them that is actually uh, beyond the immediate topic. <clears throat> um, and so if you're willing to uh, really expand um, beyond the present topic, um, not only is it a comfort zone for your body, and this is really important for stress. Um, and I worked with people who have felt stress, they've sort of locked themselves down into their you know, core and you can't reach them. They can't even hear you. So that expansion um, allows you not only to have a wider variety of people with whom you can engage, but also physically um, relieves you from um, stress. And so that's my the sixth step. And the seventh step is um, about establishing true connection, which is so simple. They're all simple, those steps. And uh, knowing that you, are, your home is the same as everyone's home and mm. it's the planet earth you know so this is the world we live in and uh you are not a foreigner on planet earth unless you're from jupiter 
<clears throat> and um, and so when you are willing to connect with people as if they are your family here, then um, communication becomes very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think when I think about communication and especially that last step as well of how to connect really truly deeply with people is to be your authentic self and be open to vulnerability. I think especially exactly. in the workplace, we are really struggling with that. Um, and as you, I love how you said, yeah, every, all the steps are simple. I think in, in theory, everything always sounds really simple, but then, you know, actually stepping into your true worth and like, you know, showing up as who you are, like you said, you were a very sensitive person and you wanted to speak to all of, to everyone in school and, you know, connect with people. That was your true authentic self, you know, and I think sometimes because of, you know, hurtful experiences, we are holding ourselves back from who we truly are. And it can be such a beautiful experience to also show yes. other people what other things are out there if we are absolutely willing to show it really working with people and a lot of times that's what makes us put up those barriers however mm. somebody um coming um up against you when you have up a barrier you don't see them until they're right on top of you mm. and so i mean there's just you know so many ways when you have those barriers down you um you actually are not attackable because there's nothing for that uh, attack to attach to. So really, and um, I do the um, business training with that as well, because team, and like you said, you know, sometimes in work environments, you know, people really um, feel uh, diminished, right? Um, or um, they don't feel uh, comfortable, but that flawless communication is, is truly uh, about being connected with you. And your communication can only be flawless. So, I mean, because we read things and we, you know, go step by step, um, but there's not one that comes before the other. It's really quite uh, awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to be really get really clear on that because I think that's a, such an important point that I think you're trying to make. I, I just want to highlight it again is that the way of how we see ourselves is how we think other people see us, right? So if we have these like objections or if we are not feeling maybe fully secure it's more a reflection of how we see ourselves instead of how other people's how other people see us well it's actually um us trying to um be like someone else you know and so mm -hmm. uh, it's not the way we see ourselves it, the, the um that we think other people see us that way. It's actually how we see someone else, right? And how we see whether or not we're doing it or being the way someone else is doing or being something. And if we're doing it therefore in the correct way, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that is our self-judgment, self-doubt, lack of self-confidence. But if you know, and you're connected with you, who you are, right? Then you know that there's something different and unique about you. And mm -hmm. so then the way you look at someone else, you know, there must be something different and unique about them too. And that's such a gift, you know, mm -hmm. because not everyone um, looks at you with curiosity. Hmm. I know there must be something different. I mean, even the most boring people in the world, there's got to be really something unique about them. Like, how could you be boring in this world so wonder what that uniqueness is and that allows them to go beyond that mask or veil of boring and share with you some of their unique magic and 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 so on and so on and so on so uh, really in um in you know teaching people facilitating people to uh, to um, communicate in a different way it's just um from my life experiences and work experiences i've had lots of different um, careers and how it's all been a contribution to me even the jerks you know yeah <laughs> do you have like go-to questions that you ask people in order to uh, show that curiosity and understand what their unique perspective is yes we, well and the questions include them do you know what I mean 
So if you're looking at them from your perspective, what you ask someone would probably be different from what I would ask them. But mm-hmm. the, um, the thing that you can ask someone is, what's different about you? What do you do? What do you like? What makes you happy? What's vital for you? What is it that you enjoy so much doing, right? That you wouldn't even want to, and this is what I do with my Dancing with Riches business training. What, what is it that you would not even want to be here if, this, if it weren't a part of your life? What is that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it might be sunshine. Like I might not want to live in some place that it rains, you know, 360 days out of 365 and boom. The moment they say something ridiculous, oh, I love tennis, you know, or they say, I love water, right? I have a seven steps teacher who she loves water. I love water too. And like you were saying with what you suggested to your client, engaging in a conversation that you have a similarity in with people, right? Mm-hmm. Opens up such a level of comfortability mm-hmm. that, um, that whatever you talk about is is genuine and authentic yeah mm-hmm. in an yeah, authentic way yeah yeah so what did you learn in your journey about cultural differences and communication is it really still very cultural you think it's cultural or is it really just human to human difference you know with for example with that um step seven like uh, connecting with the earth recognizing that you're home right Mm-hmm. There's actually no place on the planet that doesn't have something to give to you or a uh, language. And people sometimes feel uh, like strangers. I, of course, I have a million different stories to tell about that. But when I grew up, for example, this is the one that popped for me right now. Can I just say so, this? When I yes, grew up sure. in Boston, right? My mom was a nurse, right? And uh she, my, when, uh, when she got together with my dad, um, he um, had been working in a company with um, Italian immigrants, right? Um, I didn't know that. I was like, you know, six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. And she had been working um, as a nurse in the Jewish Memorial Hospital, right? So in, a, in addition to the, you know, a couple of words that I didn't know were not English, that they would use. My dad would be like, you know, if he got annoyed, he'd be like, do you understand? But he would say it in Italian, capiche? He would say to me, him or my sister. And we would be like, yes. You know, we would say, see or no? We'd say, see, you know? We didn't know it was not English, right? Yeah. That was very funny. I didn't know it for years later until I came because it's not exactly uh, standard Italian. It's actually Neapolitan way of saying, do you understand? Cabisci, do you understand? But in a Neapolitan, it's cabisci, anyway. And my mom would had these Yiddish words she would use, but all my friends that hung out, we, we none of us knew that it wasn't in, you know English. It would be, a, don't be a mashugana, which means don't be a jerk, right? which in Yiddish, which means I, I didn't know that until I went to college or to New York, right? Uh-huh. In my, in my, my uh, the first less, the first class I took was you had to take a writing something. Uh, and the guy sitting next to me was a Hasidic a Jewish guy, you know, you know, 18. And he was like, and I said, to, you know, we were writing. I was like, oh, please don't be a Meshuggah. And he was like, why is it that you speak Yiddish? And I was like, what? And he was like, why do you speak Yiddish? I was like, what is Yiddish? I don't speak Yiddish. What is that? He said, it's, it, you, you do. You just said Meshuggah. I said, is that Yiddish? And I called my mom and I said that to her. She said, oh, yeah, that's from Nancy, uh, you know, uh, Einstein <laughs> and, uh, and uh, um, Nancy Wells. And, I, and I, he said, oh, so they were Jewish. I said, how do you know they were Jewish? He said, well, from their last name. And I was like, you can tell from the last name that they were Jewish. He was like, yeah. Einstein. So the beautiful thing for me about, and we lived in, you know, a, a mainly black neighborhood and, and, but the beautiful thing for me is my parents never told us that, told, distinguish that, you know, for them, I thought that these, these girls, Barbara and Nancy, these women, friends of my mom, I thought they were Santa Claus because every Christmas Eve, they would be at my house. And when I went to sleep, when I, as a kid, and when I woke up in the morning, they'd be full of presents under the tree, mm-hmm. right? 
And she said, no, no, no. It's because they didn't, as when I was in New York as an, you know, a, a young adult, she was like, no, no, no. They came because they don't celebrate Christmas because they're Jewish. And I was like, wow, she never told me about that. So, and so many, that's just one example of so many things where they never actually had uh, cultural distinction, you know, and, and nor sexual preference distinction from people that, you know, and so uh, for me, um, I love, and not even, not even, I, I told this, um, that when I was in New York University, I went to, we went to this, um, this program where they would take you one week to a museum and the next week you'd be discussing the museum. And I walked in a museum of modern art um, and I saw these paintings that there were replicas of in my living room when I grew up. And I called my mom again and I was like, mom, guess what, I'm at the museum. Oh, great. Yeah, you're enjoying, yeah, you're doing so great in college, honey. And I was like, yeah, uh, we're, there's a Picasso exhibit here. She said, oh, that's my favorite painter. Now, I had never heard about Picasso before. <laughs> I was like, I know it's your favorite painter because it's full of, you know, replicas of Same things, Picasso. yeah, that you've seen, yeah. But, you know, can I just say this, just sharing this with you? Sometimes people make things so significant. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got, you know, uh, Arabic friends and we've got this and we've got that. They never made it significant. Oh, you've studied art. Let me share with you this, you know, cultural thing or this uh, educational thing. They, they never made it significant, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm grateful that my approach to people, to, to uh, art, to countries, to culture, to food, to, is, um, is like uh, without any predetermined, you know, definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's thanks to my parents, actually. Does that make sense? I think it totally makes sense. I, I'm thinking about the opposite right now. What if you grew up in a family where you know cultural differences were constantly highlighted and you grew up with that kind of filter right because I think it's so beautiful that you're saying you didn't have a filter everything just was like one culture for you one world right there wasn't there they didn't make these this differentiations between this is Jewish and this is you know maybe African-American maybe they did yeah maybe they did but they didn't um implant that in me Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe they they were quite aware of it, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure she knew, she grew up, she knew that Meshugana was not an English, an American word. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's the, the way I um, see uh, the world, but the inclusion of, of people. My mom, um, you know, my dad was like really uh, so uh, intuitive, you know? Um, mm. that he wasn't very uh, frequenting a lot of people, but he did that through my mom who frequented everyone. You know what I mean? She was a, she took care of kids. She gave shots. So she was really good with children. She was, oh, come, 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 all children. You know, she was really quite uh, cool with them. So maybe they had that in, in their life. And, and just the invitation that their approach um, was and the invitation that my approach is to people um, is to show them how to look at things from different angles, you know? And mm-hmm. it's really <clears throat> the truth, Julia, of who mm-hmm. each and every one of us is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, it's really the truth. Once we take off all those barriers and those masks and those fails and those things that um, other people have shared with us that maybe wasn't theirs either, you know? Um, there's so much, the tagline for my seven steps book to flawless communication is there is so much more that unites us than that separates us. So how can we actually look at the differences in people as a prize instead of, um, a, uh, falling point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, when we're um, able to connect with ourselves and see who and what works for us, you know, sometimes really strict people and really uh, focused people and people who are not, you know, getting distracted 
sometimes in different, you know, I have about six or seven different businesses. That's really great quality, especially if they have to do the the accounting, you know what I mean? Or the, 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 the you know, the budget. The That's planning. great. Don't get distracted, <laughs> honey. Just you get that together. You know what I mean? Give me the, the give me the list. Um, mm-hmm. So it might not, you know what I mean? Does that show mm-hmm. up for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think you're just bringing a very, maybe not new perspective, but you're reminding me of a of a perspective of, of really more that inclusion part instead of seeing it as a separation and seeing the difference as the, a difference. Um, and yeah, and showing more curiosity about um who people are you know like I grew up in Germany right like I'm German and then I actually lived in France as well for three years and you know for me it was always fascinating to learn new cultures like the, I, I made that the choice of my life right to live in different countries and to understand different cultures and understand different languages and speak different languages in order to connect on a very different level with people. I I always found that really fascinating. But now that I've lived in the US, I've lived in the US for seven years now, I think it's it's interesting for me because I feel like I've been seeing a lot of like that inclusion and cultural differences. There is a big gap here in terms of how people grow up that's why I was saying you know like it sounds like you grew up in a very open inviting family environment but I think a lot of people might have grown up with violence and with you know like African-Americans versus white people or um, you know Latinos versus white people or Asians versus black people you know Um, and there's kind of these pre- preconceptions about um who people are and what they're like and um and I think that does create a lot of tension when uh, maybe you know those different experiences come together and opening up yourself in a way to see beyond that I think is is probably a challenge for a lot of people you know because they they have had negative experiences because of their color or because of their sexual orientation right and then I feel like they project that to everyone else that they're meeting with or that they're getting to know because there's this fear and this hurt in them um, that they have experienced before so I wonder how how they can overcome that you know, when we are talking about communicating inclusively and letting go of these things. Absolutely. And this is why the first and most important thing when communicating with others is first to be connected with the truth of you, Mm -hmm. with the essence of who you are, because it's the same in all of us. Mm -hmm. It's the same in all of us. So that's the first the thing and then it's also the right uh, with, with it I guess we're talking about the seven steps I know we're going to talk about my second book the dancing with riches but this this recognizing that there is truly so much more that unites us I don't know about you but I have this strange thing in my body um cells do you have any in yours I think so yeah I think I have some uh, well, cells. well well I well probably you don't have molecules in the cells yeah you do. I do yeah, wow. Uh-huh. Well, you probably don't have any water or blood in your body. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how much there's 99.9% that keeps that we all have in common. Mm-hmm. And it's that 0.01% that is different. And when we are not judging that, but we're curious about it and we're curious about it, about ourselves, it's an approach to people that is is quite different and there is you know political <laughs> um and sometimes religious which is um distinction and divide and conquer political distinction you know and however that beyond the separation there is unity And you know that that shows up when there's a crisis, when there's an earthquake, 
when there is a, a tsunami, when there is, you know, in like in New Orleans, I mean, immediately that all those masks and veils and banners and separations in fly, how quickly fly out mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. And people are right there, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what if we didn't have to wait until disaster occurred in mm -hmm. order to get there? And for some people, it's not a wrongness, you know? I have one of my dear friends, she's been their French couple. Um, <laughs> they're living in, uh, they were, I, we met in New York. We would spend so much time together with my uh, ex-husband. And then they moved to St. Martin. And I went, uh, you know, like maybe five times. To, I was living in New York. I only went once since I've been living in Italy. But we'd go to St. Martin, you know. And these people, you know, in St. Martin, they were like, you're different they're racist. And I was like, oh, nobody's perfect. <laughs> like, they've, they've been my friends for 20 years, you know? But are they racist or are they just really um, demanding and picky, you know? So people sometimes categorize the uniqueness of someone as a judgment and an exclusion. But if you're willing really to connect with you, and to be authentically you and genuinely you, then there is no, there's no room for the walls of separation with people. You mm -hmm. know, my, my girlfriend, I went, when I went back to Boston to visit, I hadn't seen her, she'd been my girlfriend since I was five. We were in a restaurant, uh, a, a diner waiting to be seated. And I was like, ah, da, da, da. we're talking, we're talking. And the woman comes and takes the people from behind us to seat them. And I said, oh, sorry, sorry, we were busy. We were talking. We're ready. We're ready. And we go and sit down. And my girlfriend's looking at me like, you're just different. And I said, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, I would have gone into the accusation of that woman for taking the people behind us because they were men and they mm -hmm. were white. And then mm -hmm. she didn't take us. But you just totally, because the woman was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just didn't want to bother you guys because you seem like so engaged. I was like, I know we haven't seen each other in years. So how much do we, um, wow. based on this, um, in Italian, you say the soprastruttura, but the self-imposed, the, the imposed structure of a community, of a city, of a country, of a language, of a, you know, culture, mm -hmm. how much um, do we take that as our way of functioning? And this is what I um, really, uh, and in, in this period in particular, with, with um, business um, uh, execs, with, with uh, employers, um, with uh, individuals, and invite them really to connect with themselves so they do not buy anybody's version of them as the right way to be or the wrong way to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so the cultural, you know, and uh, it's not easy. It's not easy for people um, to to be living that lie, you know. I did a uh, a series called "Does Your Black Life Matter?" I did it together with a, a Seven Steps teacher, Dr. Shubra from India, and we invited. Does your Black Life Matter? We invited. We did seven days, and we invited uh, a woman who was from Canada but was Chinese. She's an amazing freaking, you know. She's a colleague. Um, a woman um, from Africa living in Belgium, a Brazilian, brown Brazilian girl living in Ireland, uh, you know, just this, you know, all these things, does your sense. Black life matter? And uh, a gal from Colorado, you know, had called me, it was a, you know, period of um, when Floyd was killed, and she said, um, I don't know what to do, I still want to be a contribution, she's a uh, boss white woman you know she had taken a workshop with me in denver and uh she's awesome she said i so want to reach out and help people um my family is totally you know against it but i when i moved to colorado i would go to you know baptist churches with and how do i be that contribution i said well come on we'll have you does your black life matter on on our show yeah. i have it on my the art of being cast on facebook so that we did it and so you know, how many of us have been um, really felt uh, not at home 
which is not the case. Because if you're in your body, you are here on planet Earth, you're home. So mm-hmm. get to work. Do you need to do the kitchen? Do you need to do the cooking? Do you need to do put on the music? What is your particular brand of magic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so back to the question that I mentioned earlier. I'm curious to hear some thoughts from you around um, workplace stress and pressure in different cultures. So you grew up, obviously, in the U.S. Um, and saw a different way to operate and work there, which is, you know, I think usually defined as, you know, people work, they don't take a lot of vacation, they, you know, even just... They even apologize, even if they just take five minutes to take a break or something like that. And then living in Italy for 20 years now, um, do you see any culture, like not cultural, but almost like work stress differences of how maybe Italians take their life and how they work? And do you think they're less stressed? Do you think Italians are less stressed than Americans? Well, I love this um, question. I just, I, I, I do, and maybe we'll talk about this privately. I do think it's quite different for you uh, from Germany, living in a, in a, on a, in Europe <clears throat> where you can drive for um, two hours, an hour and a half, and 90 minutes and be in another country with another language also. Mm-hmm. And how seven years in the States has, you know, changed your perspective on that um, mm-hmm. a bit. Um, there's something in Italy, it's so funny, because I went to Boston Latin, I told you, and I studied, you know, Roman history for six years in this school. And um, there's something in Italy uh, called la dolce vita, the sweet life, right? And I remember when I moved here, my dad said, how's it going with that dolce fare niente? (laughs) Which is the sweet to doing nothing. Um, But something different for me, Uh, about Italy um, is family. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a a different uh, honoring of family and it doesn't matter what the um, economic level of people are here, but everyone has some place they go on vacation. And maybe it's a one bedroom apartment, six people are living in it. Maybe it's 20 minutes from the seaside, you know, or an an hour from the sea or whatever, or near the mountain or whatever, but -hmm. it's the family home, you know, Mm -hmm. and even skiing, right? Like in the States, I mean, I, as you know, I started in my high school, I started the skiing thing, you know, where people would go skiing, people go skiing and it's not an economic thing here. So this, and people have dinner, together they always eat pasta of course you're always eating pasta but um what I want to say is I know in the states when you invite people to dinner especially if they're not like friends right then you want to have the crystal or you want to have the, the it has to be set up right it has to be the perfect thing the perfect this do you know there's an expression in Italy that is like well I don't know them that well we've never even had dinner together and the the most popular meal that people love if you cook for them is the simple pasta, which is aglio, olio, peperoncino, olive oil, um, garlic, and hot peppers. And that's something everyone has in their kitchen. I mean, I was with my tax accountant one uh, once, he came over to my place, was we were talking about my business, my husband and his wife, we're waiting for us to finish. We were dre- he was dressed really nice. I was dressed elegant. We were going out. We had reserved a nice restaurant, but it got so late. He was like, ah, oh, let's stay here. He took off his jacket, rolled up his sleeves. You got um, some garlic and some hot peppers. All right, I'll you get some pasta. I'll, I'll, we'll make the pasta. You know, yeah. it's something so simple um, without judgment, without, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So so that is um, an and elegance, and that's what I call um, some of the riches. I'm not sure Italians actually acknowledge how um, how unique how that, special is. that is. Yeah, you know how special that is. And and good wine here. I'm telling you, the same wine you would buy in the United States for thirty bucks for that, right? You get for five, 
<laughs> I always say that about France too. I'm always like, I've had the best wine in France living there for five dollars. You would get the most beautiful bottle of Bordeaux in the supermarket. Exactly. And here you buy it for 50 and it still doesn't taste the same. Exactly. So what is the elite um, level of uh, living that you have to um, have some self-doubt, self-judgment, self um you know, uh, restrictions in order to reach. And mm -hmm. if, are you willing to really recognize um, that you have some authentic um, wealth in your life that is beyond, that is beyond pricing? I mean, I hope you, Juliet, acknowledge that about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome what is your, so i i know that we're coming you know we're, we're coming up to an hour so i don't i want to um kind of close out at least for today but i'm curious if you could maybe um summarize in a two minute five minute um way the other book that you mentioned a few times what is that about Yeah, the um, Dancing with Riches is a bit bigger. The Seven Steps book, it takes 30 minutes to read it. It's really quite small. Uh, okay. Amazon was like, look, we can't even put the title on the side because it's so small, right? Simple, uh, easy, but not stupid. And the Dancing with Riches um, is how to invite people to acknowledge their uniqueness and, mm. their, um, and their approach to life. The Riches um, is about um, what um, the, the wealth, the queen and the king and the god and the goddess energy um, in you. And, but also um, it's really, that's just based on our conversation. It's really each and every area of your life giving you some how-to steps, right? How-to uh, tools um, to acknowledge that you've always known what to choose. Like, um, your relationship with yourself. Um, and I give examples from my life, many different examples from my life, how it was at one point, but what kept me um, moving forward. Your relationship with your body, how you may be in judgment of your body, but if you're willing to be uh, really uh, aware of your relationship with your body, it can be um, very unique. Your relationship with other people, I give examples of my relationship with family, with, with ex-husband, with friends, and how that has shown up. I talk about uh, the racism uh, a little bit in there also, and how it just wasn't even um, clear to me. Uh, and people have asked me, have you experienced it? I said, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, and then your relationship with money, you know? How can you really utilize your talents and abilities um, so that you can generate uh, more money than you ever thought was possible? And these are just the chapters. And then your relationship in business, you know, how to really um, be in line with what brings you joy so that when you're creating your business or working with someone else's business, you never um, feel um, that you are wrong and you start choosing what works for you. And the final chapter is, you know, it's called living life um, with a purpose or living life purposefully. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you are living life purposefully, um, then you will uh, acknowledge what are the riches in your life. And the dance may um, change, the partner may change, the music may change, um, but the riches, in your life, it's your dance and you choose it, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, my Dancing with Riches um, book is uh, a how-to using the tools, how to be in step with the energy of change, using the tools of access consciousness, which is so easy um, and so simple. And they're questions, they're not answers, they're questions. Mm -hmm. You are the uh, answer. And what is the question that will give you access to your answers mm -hmm. so that's what the dancing with riches um, book is about it's um out in english uh, french and um spanish now it's just come out in spanish and oh. it will be out in a couple of other languages soon it's coming out in german and in turkish next 
Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Mm. It sounds mm. really, really fascinating. Um, thank you so much. I'm glad that I actually asked you this question because we talked a lot about uniqueness today. So it's good to know that there are some extra tools and insights there from you as well. Um, Kaz, if somebody's listening right now and they would love to learn more besides the two wonderful books that you introduced to us today, how can they best reach out to you? They, um, my website, Kass, Thomas, K-A-S-S, uh, thomas.com. Um, then you have uh, access to my other um, things there or the art of being cast on social uh, media yeah very cool well it was such a pleasure to listen to you today and to uh, get some more insights into your uniqueness and how you perceive life so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and I'm uh, hopeful that maybe we'll have another conversation in the future and we'll dive deeper into any of the topics maybe the listeners are curious to learn more about absolutely it was a pleasure for me as well <laughs> that's the way they say it in south africa pleasure pleasure, pleasure. it was a pleasure it was a the pleasure was all mine Cass. thank you so thank much you. have a wonderful thank rest you. of your evening thank you you too and thank you everyone for listening thank you.